My name's Huda and I'll be hosting this evening. We have an exciting event planned this evening with our speaker Mustafa Brig. Before we get started, I'd first like to thank our media partners this year, Islam Channel, and give a special welcome to those joining us from Islam Channel's YouTube and Facebook. It's a pleasure to have you all with us today. I'd also like to thank Arts Council UK, whose help has allowed us to continue our work this Ramadan, all of which is available on our website. Our work this Ramadan is supported by Islamic Relief, our charity partner, and you can check out the incredible work Islamic Relief does in iruk.co/rtp. So let's begin. Um, I'd just like to introduce us uh, to our new speaker today, Mustafa Brig. So the theme tonight is Taqwa and Fasting. Mustafa Brig is a graduate of Arabic and International Relations from uh, the University of Westminster. He wrote a dissertation focused on Arabic literature and literacy in West Africa. He then undertook an MA in translation in SOAS and specialized in Arabic and Islamic texts which he then went on to study at Rawal Islamic Law uh, and Arabic Studies program at Azhar University. Mustafa has previously delivered uh, the Beyond Bilad series, a series on history of black Muslims. And he was also asked to speak on many, in many prestigious institutes such as Oxford University, King's College London, UCL, University of York, and four of the Ivy League universities. So if you just introduce yourself, uh, Mustafa, and just uh, talk to us a little bit about Taqwa, and um, fasting. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-anbiya wa al-mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi hatta qadrihi wa mukhtari al-azim. Assalamu alaikum everybody um, in the chat and everybody watching inshallah. Um, my name is Mustafa Briggs as I've been introduced. Uh, student of knowledge, student of um, Arabic and Islamic studies at Azhar, and previously a graduate of Arabic and international relations at Westminster University. Um, and today, the theme that I've been given to talk about is fasting and taqwa. And um, this is the central theme of Ramadan and the central theme of fasting, because everything that Allah ordains for us in the Quran, he ordains for us for a reason, and we're meant to receive some kind of result from what he ordains. And so when speaking, about the, when speaking about the fasting in the month of Ramadan, Allah tells us in the Quran, that fasting was prescribed upon us as it was prescribed upon those before us in order for us to attain taqwa. And so the result of our fasting shouldn't be hunger or thirst, as we have in the hadith of the Prophet that the most unfortunate fasting person is the person who has nothing to benefit from their fast except thirst and hunger. That the fasting that we do is meant to elevate us to a state where we have taqwa. Sorry, I think we've lost you, Mustafa. Are you still with us? This uh, short reminder, this open iftar, we're going to be discussing the reality of taqwa and then we're going to be discussing the benefits of taqwa as Allah speaks about taqwa in different places in the Quran and there are over 15 different places where Allah mentions the results of having taqwa so fasting is something that's meant to open the door to taqwa for us and then taqwa is something that opens the doors to many other benefits fawaid and fadail in this world and the next for us uh, so if we look at the actual definition of taqwa Ooh, and the electricity has gone out where I am, I'm currently in Senegal. Um, the actual definition of taqwa, according to the ulama, um, one of the great ulama of Morocco, Sidi Ahmed Tijani, described taqwa as ijtinaab al nawahi is observing the commandments of Allah and, f and avoiding the, f the, the, the prohibitions of Allah in a way that pleases Allah and not in a way that pleases yourself. So the full essence of taqwa is being conscious of Allah to a point and careful of Allah to a point. Taqwa, for example, has been defined, some people describe it as when you're walking on uh, eggshells and you don't want the eggshells to crack if you're walking on, imagine you're walking on a, a bed of needles and you're careful to not prick yourself. All of these things, being careful and having caution, is what taqwa is described as. And so it's a much more comprehensive concept than just... Yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Sorry for the, the interruption. Technical difficulty. Happens to the best of us. Mm. 
So where did I leave off? I was saying that taqwa was seeking for the, to, 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 it's being careful and it's being cautious. Allah describes in the Quran, the pleasures of paradise and all the things that we're going to get in paradise. And then he says, that the pleasure of Allah is greater than everything that's included in paradise. And so the displeasure of Allah is what is more grievous and more and should concern us more than just his punishment because the punishment is one of his actions but the displeasure is coming directly from him and so living your life in a way that Allah is at the forefront of all of your actions and your decisions and you're consciously aware of his presence at all times is what the reality that fasting is supposed to bring into your life and so that's why fasting has such a high reward because fasting is the only act of worship that you can do 100% sincerely because only you and Allah know if you're really fasting or not when it comes to for example salah people can see you pray you can fast uh, sorry you can pray to show people that you're praying. You can give zakat so people can see that you're handing out charity. You can go on hajj and people can see. But if you're fasting, really, the only people that know if you're truly fasting are you and Allah. If you hide and you drink water or you hide and you eat food or you hide and you do other things that might break your fast, nobody will be conscious of that except you and Allah. And so you training yourself and training your nafs, training your ego to continuously be conscious of the pleasure of Allah in your actions and conscious of not doing something as, as, as essential as eating or drinking or restraining from sexual relations is what will then allow you to be able to have greater constraint on things that are much easier than that, such as not lying, such as not stealing, such as not committing uh, anything that Allah has forbidden for us in the Quran or in the authentic uh, sunnah that we have narrated to us through the chains of authentic chains of narration. And so we can see, for example, the scholars, the ulama had divided fasting into three different levels. There's fasting of the awam, the general fasting, and then there's fasting of the khawas, the, the special people, and there's the fasting of the khas or khas. So the general fasting was prescribed as imsak, restraining from eating and drinking and sexual relations fast outwardly. And that's something that everyone that's fasting can attain. But then the second level of fasting, according to the ulama, is the fasting of the seven doors to the heart. And the traditional scholars had described that the heart, as we know, the Prophet ﷺ said, in the body, there is a piece of flesh. If it is corrupted, then the whole body is corrupted. But if it is uh, made pure, then the whole body is made pure. And in the Quran, on wealth or children will not benefit anybody, but the only thing that will benefit them is coming to Allah with a pure heart. There are seven doors for the heart to become corrupted. And one of the scholars, Imam Ghazali, described it as imagine a well, and the well has seven sources. So whatever comes into those sources, through, through those sources, if those sources are polluted, then the well water will be polluted. But if those sources are made pure, then the water in the well is pure and the water of the well, and the well is your heart. And the water is the overflowings and the spiritual realities that you're supposed to experience with your heart because your heart is the door through which you look into the malaku, into the unseen realm. Uh, and you have all of your emotions and all of your spiritual, your non-physical and your non-tangible side, which is the most powerful side of the human being. The resting place of all of those things is the heart. And so Imam Ghazali and all the other traditional scholars have described there are seven doors to the heart. The first door is the eyes. And so the eyes should be fasting from looking at anything haram, which is extremely difficult in the world we live in with social media. Sometimes you don't even need to go outside and see something haram. You're holding your telephone, you scroll on Instagram that you're not supposed to see. Fasting of the eyes, as the eyes is one of the first doors. And then the ears, not listening to words that are not of benefit, not listening to backbiting, not listening to slander, not listening to anything that can damage your soul spiritually fasting of the ears along with fasting of the eyes, fasting of the mouth, and that's the fasting of the tongue, that's the, third, that's the third door, the tongue not speaking anything ill, not saying anything that is negative, not saying anything that is untrue, not backbiting and not slandering anyone. Then there's the fasting of the hands, 
not touching anything that's impermissible for you to touch, not taking anything with your hands that's impermissible for you to take. The fasting of the stomach is not just imsak of food, but the fifth door to the heart is the stomach. And it's not just not eating, but make sure that when you are eating, everything you're eating is halal. Halal in terms of slaughtered correctly and halal in terms of not being given to you or not being obtained through haram money. Then the other sixth door of the heart to the heart is the legs. The legs will be the limb, will be one of the limbs that will be most questioned on the day of judgment. Because anything, anytime you want to do something that's impermissible, or anytime you want to do something that causes the displeasure of Allah, it's your legs that will take you there to go and do it. You can say, for example, I'm going to steal something and you make the intention. But if your legs don't move towards it, you'll never reach it. If your legs don't move towards something that's impermissible, you'll never reach there. And so making sure that you are not actively striving to look to do something that is going to impact you negatively and impact your spirituality in a negative way. And the seventh door to the heart is the private parts. Um, the seventh door to the heart is the private parts and restraining from sexual, fulfilling your sexual desires during the day. And when you do, making sure that you're doing it in a halal way. So all of these seven doors, fasting through these seven doors, making sure that these seven limbs and these seven organs fast along with you not, not taking food or drink is that extra level of fasting or the higher level of fasting and that's the level of fasting that most of us try and attain because that's the level of fasting that brings us to taqwa and then the final stage of fasting which is the fasting of the khas or khas was described by the senegalese sheikh sheikh hassan dem as leaving behind existence entirely and only focusing on allah so imsak from food and drink is a part of it, but then imsak from anything other than Allah. And then he described it as tarakul shuhud la tarakul wujud. He said, this is you not witnessing with your heart anything other than Allah. And this is a spiritual reality that's only obtained by people who reach the level of ihsan. As we know, Islam is described as three levels. Islam, meaning submission, fulfilling your five pillars. Iman, which is actually believing in Allah and his messengers and the books and the angels and all of the things that go along with that. And the third level, the Prophet Sassan described as ihsan. To worship Allah as if you can see him. And if you can't see him, then you know that he sees you. And so if you understand, for example, when Allah describes himself in Surah Hadid as Al-Awwal, Wal-Akhir, Wal-Zahir, Wal-Batim, he's the first, the last, the hidden, and the seen. Or when he says, for example, in the Quran, he's with you wherever you are. Or where he says, for example, wherever you turn, it's the face of Allah. Establishing yourself in that spiritual reality and witnessing everything in existence as none other than the actions of Allah or a manifestation of his names and attributes is the highest level of taqwa and the highest level of fasting because you disobey him and it will be very easy for you to obey him. And that is the level of taqwa that we're supposed to attain with our fasting in Ramadan. That's where the fasting is supposed to take us to. Um, and at the fruits of taqwa or the benefits of taqwa, Allah describes taqwa as something that brings about different benefits. The scholars have looked at different ways of describing it and looked at the different verses and they've gathered. I think we might have, wait, we can't hear you, Mustafa. Different. Uh, I think we're experiencing technical issues. Uh, I can't hear you, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I think we'll just go back to um, just kind of catching up on like everybody's Ramadan. Sorry, Edman, I was in the middle of asking you how your seance going and like how's Ramadan going in general? What do you have plans for this afternoon? No, no, no problem at all. That's, that's completely fine. Um, I think, you know, it sounds like there are a bit of technical difficulties, but um, I think he might be coming back uh, soon enough anyway. Um, but I mean, yeah, he'll we'll jump back to him when we can manage. No, no, that's, that's fine. Um, I, I think just on, on the points he was sort of making as well, um, 
there's there's quite a lot of us just doing research on um on online as well just looking around and i think what i like about the the seven different gateways he was talking about in ramadan that was quite interesting actually um more specifically around you know we don't con consciously think about you know when you're fasting it's just normally food and water you don't want to don't want to consume but actually there's so much more to it than that um and and that i think was an element of something we were talking about at workplace as well um because i think most people didn't really understand what why do you fast why why is fasting really that important and and what is it all about and stuff as well um so i'm, I'm quite keen to sort of uh, i'm hoping inshallah comes back and, and sort of expand a bit more on that as well um and we'll come back to that a bit later on but for myself anyway at the moment i mean coming towards the end of ramadan i think i don't know certainly for myself maybe for other people as well you have those last 10 days of reflection right and you have those um you have that feeling uh, suddenly what ramadan's already over it's 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 been 20 odd days and and now we're towards the end of it already. Um, what have I achieved? What 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 I what did I want to achieve in that time? And uh, where can I actually go from here as well? For me, I think last last few days really honing in on you know a few separate things, a few a few a few of the key things. I think is is being able to commit to attending the darawis and 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 the prayers on time. Like if I can just fix that now in the last five or six days and great like that that is one successful um habit coming out from it um and the other thing as well i think for me was um the patience <laughs> i think i think just you know like biting your tongue when something's not going your way and and, and all of that now building up towards the last five, final few days um that i think is something i'm con consciously thinking about every day it's like all right cool how do i make sure i don't lose my patience so how do i make sure that Yes, like the hours are longer now, and I have to wake up in the morning, and I have to make sure you know other things are happening and stuff. But how do I how do I carry on with that as well? Um, so yeah, I don't know. In, in short, I think Ramadan's been good. It's been too quick. I don't know where it's gone. It's gone really quickly. Um, there's definitely a few things left I want to achieve from it. Um, but overall, I can't I can't complain too much. You know. In terms of patience. Sorry, go on. The the patience bit is is. And it's one of those, isn't it? You're you're at home with your mom and dad and, and your sisters and stuff, and everyone's in your face, and you're just like, look, <laughs> it's it's the last few days. <laughs> I need some food right now. I know why I'm angry, but like, yeah, it's, I think that's just that was that was just me. Normally, I'm a very calm person, but it's like a very testing moment um, lately, anyway. But but yeah, you learned anything from it? Like anything? Um, have you found that anything works for you to help with that? And also um, with the Dororia thing, do you have like any strategies that work for you? Yeah, go go with someone else. Go with someone else who holds you accountable. That that really works a lot. Um, so I I we take turns to drive, and so some days if I'm driving, no one can go right. Therefore, I have to go. Therefore, you know you, you got to make sure you're 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 up to the scratch. That really works. Um, and for the the patience bit, the patience bit, there's so many things you can do. But I think. I think in the heat of the moment, for me, it's remembering why you're fasting and, and what the what the main um, point of it is. Um, and it's like a test, right? You you know you want to pass that test. It's fine. Like like yeah, fine. Like you know, let me lose my patience, but I'll control it because because you want to be able to know you won. But I think that the other one is just just um, take a deep breath, walk away. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I just I just walk away. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna come back in five minutes. <laughs> we'll see what happens after that. Have you ever had it? Sorry. Have you have you had experience with, with anything like that before? I think it's a bit like what you said, like with lockdown, um, you're living in like this unique situation where you're kind of with like your family for a very long time. Um, and I think it's probably not the healthiest all, all the time. So I definitely think that I'm I could probably be a lot better um at being more patient. But for the most part, I don't have much of an issue because me and my family get along. Um, but I think it's also the same with like anything I do in terms of academics, work, whatever. I think it's a skill that you need to have every day in everyday life. And it's something you have to constantly reflect on because you could be good at it for a while. And then after that, something happens. And I think it's just something you have to constantly reflect on, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, no, it definitely does. Um, I think the question that comes to my mind is more like, do you feel like from the beginning of Ramadan till, till now, um, you have felt a, a, a change and, and do you feel like, you know, that's going to be something that's going to last as well? And it could be anything, you know, it could be anything that you sort of learn. 
um, yeah. not to integrate interrogate, but it's just something I, I thought like, well, did I gain anything from this from the last few days? Why am I actually, why am I not eating? Like, what's, what's, what's the difference there? Yeah, definitely. I think that like from the start of Ramadan, um, for a start, like being more consistent on praying on time, that was like a big thing. Just installed mm-hmm. the Azan app and I keep on getting notifications. So I have to just be like, I have to consciously make sure that I'm always on in Wadal and that I'm also so like always quite conscious of the time. So if I'm doing something in the afternoon, I have to be more conscious of my time to make sure I'm praying on time. And then it's like reading Quran, just doing like kind of the bare minimum. I feel like just being better at that. If you can fix that in Ramadan, coming out of Ramadan, it feels like it's going to be a lot easier because you've just mm-hmm. built this habit over a month. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... It wasn't it wasn't a week before uh Ramadan started for me where um so I, I think you hosted um Ustad Shabir. Yeah, yeah, I did. You did, right? Yeah. And um I was lucky enough to do it last year and I followed him on Instagram afterwards. So I, I kind of saw the work that he does. Um so someone posted something and and they said he's doing the he's doing Fajr classes for just the just the final Jews of the Quran. And every single day they go through each um each surat basically until the 30 days are over so the last last 30 basically um and one of my friends basically posted like if you're used to doing the same things now and you're not willing to change anything even as something as small as you know just an hour's lecture in the morning in ramadan then like what have you truly gained right like you can't do some small simple action like that um and i thought right you know what actually that's a good point like i'm I'm working before Ramadan. I'm going to be working in Ramadan. That's not a difference. Um, the biggest difference, yes, I'm going to be eating, but can I genuinely change one element just to just to elevate myself in in some in some way? So I signed up to the classes, and um, I've been going to I've been going to every single one in the morning. I know it's like it's straight after Fajr at sort of four, I think four o'clock it starts um, for an hour, and it goes through the ayahs. It explains it in detail. They go through the the meanings behind sort of the the language how it's used um and i have to i have to admit just that one hour every single day not only have i learned like sort of the, the complex yet um uh the intricate i, I guess language of Ar- arabic language itself um it's it's really beautiful actually how it sometimes words change and what they mean and, and the meaning behind it and stuff but also just generally as well what is the quran talking about why is it important and, and having that discussion as well um and i think that that was the, the seismic change that I sort of, sort of talked about before is like actually cool like i do want to benefit in some way even if it's as small as attending one hour lecture once a day um for 30 days and see where that takes you um and and i think hopefully like inshallah afterwards you can probably carry on and and, and meet those people as well i think that's been one of the biggest benefits of even ramadan pen project as well you know you get to meet so many so many people um mustafa, mustafa briggs actually came last year as well i believe um, it might have been joining from Egypt at that time, so connection might not have been as as bad. What? So do you feel like with the Ustaz Shabir lessons, do you feel like when you pray, for example, read a surah, do you feel like you have like a different relationship with it that you reflect on it quite differently? Um, that's a good question, actually. I don't know if I have a different relationship. I, you you could say it's a different relationship, but I think I just understand it first and foremost. Whereas before, when you read. So I don't know about you, but I think when I like when I read the translations in in the Quran, for example, um, they just don't make any sense. They for me, it just like it's it's unless it's read with context. Yes, then then it obviously makes a bit more sense. But the the Quran that I have it, it translates it like sort of word for word from Arabic to English, and and when you read it, like a lot of the times when I used to when I was growing up reading, it, I was like, I don't get this. Like, what is this talking about? What is as if like it talks about the sun and, and does this and i was like is this supposed to be literal or not i don't understand right by going to the lectures with um Ustaz Shabir, uh, they give you that context and they they help you understand of well what's the context of this was it a meccan surat or was it a medina surat um what was happening at that time what were the important elements of 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 that uh, of the culture at that time as well um and then they go into sort of word by word of each single line in the surah and uh and i remember one it was talking it was talking about i can't remember which surah it was actually but i just remember it talking about um it was contrasting in in each sentence it was talking about the sun and then the moon it was talking about the earth um 
the the sky and the night and the sky and the grounds it was like alternating in each section um and just learning the structure of 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 the language used was really interesting i thought wow actually this is what the quran's about like how has that been written how is it such a poetic uh in itself and how's the language been um used like this to to draw people in um so from that perspective yeah like the relationship definitely it made me appreciate a lot more it made me think wow that's actually, there's actually a lot more to it than just reading it right um yeah so i think when i read it now in in, in uh in in namaz for example then yeah i think i think i'd think a bit more about it i'd be like well this is what it's talking about this is what the meaning can potentially be um and i just need to spend more time i think yeah definitely i think that's a thing that's i find that with um the translation it kind of feels like you said it's quite literal um and it kind of just feels really old-fashioned to some extent so it doesn't make a lot of sense so for example i speak arabic as a second language so not great at it, but um, I speak it well enough to somewhat understand context of uh, the Quran. Uh, but then I do feel like if I don't understand a word or a sentence, when I do dip into the translations, I don't think I get the full benefit of it. Like you said, do you mind posting um, those uh, or that session that you attend on the group chat? Because I'm sure yeah. that I can benefit from it, and like a lot of other people can. Yeah, definitely. Did you mean the group chat in, in here? Or, Sorry. Or <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm in here. Sorry, the um, yeah, the chat and Zoom. The chat and Zoom. Yeah, let me let me look it up quickly as well. Um, but it is a, it's, it's definitely worth it. I think they'll be doing some more afterwards as well. It's part of a class. Um, but I think also for those that don't know as well, um, Ustad Shabir has his own um company or or sort of I think a, a session that he runs, uh, faith based. Ah, yeah, Himara just yeah it is faith based UK. Um, and, and they do a lot of different uh, events over there as well. I think a lot of people do attend it from not only from the 10 project, but also just generally across as well. It's got a good reach. Um, and I would recommend, I would recommend, you know, attending one of those sessions online um, as well. I don't know if you've seen it before, um, Huda. No, I haven't. I think after hosting him, I did find it really interesting. And I think I should have uh, actually checked out more of what he does. So I've looked at his uh, podcast, which is really interesting, but I haven't actually had chance to look at faith space and the classes i'm actually looking at it right now yeah no that's that's exactly it i think there's there's a lot of interesting speakers that come on that that um that are definitely worthwhile checking out um even Mustafa briggs i think i was following him um on instagram once when he was in egypt i was in egypt <laughs> i was trying to like catch up with him um but i i think we can assume no i've actually yeah i don't think i think he said that uh because the zion is earlier where he's at um i think he was just hopping off right now but i definitely think also his work because he's a historian he's written a lot about like islamic history like black islamic history he's done a lot of really good work and there's i think one other historian that does the same thing so i definitely think his work is worthy of checking out i think he had a series called beyond bilal um mm. which is really interesting it gives like a more historical context and kind of more holistic context to islam and its history did you did you did you read that one i didn't i briefly looked at it earlier but i haven't had the opportunity to listen to any of his lectures um, yeah i think um yeah a couple of them i definitely want to be able to get more and more into as well um whilst whilst we're here anyway it was actually something really interesting we we're talking about before um it was it was i guess it's more around ramadan as well and, and the importance of it not just for muslims but actually non-muslims um and understanding it as well so so a couple of days ago, I gave a presentation at work and it was it was literally just about Ramadan and Eid. Um, and it was just, I think, spreading a bit more awareness around it. So the question really was, I mean, in this in this session, we were talking more about, you know, Taqwa itself and, and Ramadan, the importance of it, and trying to achieve that conscientiousness um, and, and the higher level. This was actually a question that came up quite a lot just by all my colleagues, uh, non-Muslims at work. And they they sort of reached out afterwards independently asking more about you know uh, you mentioned you know achieving a higher state of conscientiousness or being a lot more god aware like what does that actually mean and how does it actually work and um and and they were just a lot more interested and intrigued and what that sparked me uh, what that sparked in my mind actually was was um well i assumed everyone knew what ramadan was and i assumed people people knew like you know it's not just about not eating food or drinking it's it's a lot more than that um, but they didn't 
right? And and from that, I realized, well, actually, like maybe it is somewhat our responsibility to be able to um, help our colleagues at work or, or sort of people that don't understand or don't know to, to explain a bit more about, well, why do we fast? What's the importance of it? What, what can you achieve from it? Um, what does the schedule really look like for someone that's fasting? How does it impact their, their daily uh, work life, um, but also at work and stuff as well? Um, and so the, the, key, the key questions that kept coming up, one, one was about um, if you don't see the moon, like, how, how, when do you How start? do you know how to fast? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, never. <laughs> exactly like how does that work uh, one of my the managers like well, what if it's overcast like what if like we just don't see the moon because overcast does that mean the fasting never begins and i actually didn't have an answer for that like what, what is the real answer <laughs> i think i think there are actually like on a map that are, like decide when the moon is sighted and then they decide when it's like if done or not but i guess the answer is just follow your local masjid yeah exactly so i'm saying like we follow one day and then like you get another group of people in the same city that might just do it on a different day and yeah. I was like, again, like, I can't explain this to you why this happens. Like, this, this is not part of Ramadan. It's just, just, it just happens, right? Yeah, I guess, like, all Muslims are quite diverse in themselves. And I think that's, like, what people forget. Uh, and then, therefore, we will have, like, different practices and different belief systems in that sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just thought it was funny. I was like, you know what, you're asking the same questions I ask my family. Like, why are you doing a different day? Why is, why is that happening? Um, but that being said, anyway, uh, the, the the topic was more definitely around sort of understanding Ramadan and, and why is it important. And and so I think what I wanted to highlight from all of that basically is is the fact that Ramadan is great. You know, it's 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 for us, and we all know the benefits of it, and we understand it as well because we live it day in and day out. That's all good. That's all fine. But from someone else who hasn't experienced it but just has heard of it, actually, they don't know much about it, and actually. They actually don't know the real benefits behind it and stuff as well one of them the key things i think was more around um i i don't know about you but i always get quite a lot of questions the same questions actually about also you know what's it like not eating what's it like not drinking and that would be the extent of it like you must be really hungry but it like there's more there's more like it's not just about not eating and not drinking um and some of the benefits that I think, you know, once I researched about it, was when you start fasting, um, and your uh, and Hawazin's agreeing with this as well. Exactly, Hawazin, come online. It's fine. It's all good. Um, when you're when you're fasting, and this is the, this is the best one. I saw a video on this. Your I got the same question today at work. So, so like, I think we all get it. And I think, I think in a way we should all, all, all try and address it. Um, so so the, yeah, the first three days, really interesting, but I think the first three days, your your digestive system, and don't quote me on this, because this is like, a, like a, I watched a video, I was half asleep, but essentially your body is like slowing down and not having to digest the food and stuff. So basically the, the energy normally required for your digestive system um, is, is like slowly tapering off. So the first three days is, is probably hard because you know your body's used to eating, it's not getting any food, it's thinking what's going on. And then I think the next five days or so, something like that, um, it slowly starts to get used to you know not having to eat. So the the energy required from your from your digestive system and stuff basically slows down. So I think the internal microbes or whatever they are, they start to rebuild and, and almost cleanse your body. So every all the toxins you've been eating and everything that's built up for the last you know, 11 months or whatever, uh, is essentially, is, is essentially, uh, um, like starting to decrease. And then after that, I think it just goes into a state of just cleanse, cleanse, like you go to this detox state. Um, so I don't know about you, but I definitely find that I'm, I have a lot more clarity, um, you know, after the 10 day mark, but just during Ramadan, I feel a lot more clearer. I don't feel hungry. I might feel thirsty. I might feel a bit tired. But I don't, I don't feel like I'm about to die. You know, I don't feel like, oh my god, this is the worst thing in the world. That is, like, do you like find that? Do you find that after like your diet, you get a food coma suddenly because you don't don't eat the whole day and then you have like something you just done a little bit. Yeah, yes and no. See, see, the thing is, as Sunnah says that you should eat a little bit first, open it with a date and water, right, and and a little bit of food enough so that you can go and pray. And so whilst you're praying and you've had enough to, uh, enough to, to fill yourself, not fill yourself, but, but to, to, you know, be in a comfortable state, 
your body, your stomach is essentially expanding a little bit and getting used to the food. Whilst you've prayed, you've done that, then you can go back and, and then eat properly, right? What we do is the complete opposite. We just stuff our face completely as much as we can in the first five minutes. Uh, I know I do. And then go try and pray when you're half asleep and half conscious. And you're not even thinking about praying. You're not even thinking about what you're saying. You're just going through the emotions, right? So that's our fault. That's not, that's not, that's not religion. That's, that's the, the prescriptions there. The, the sunnah's there. It's, it's, it's told us how to do it. That's just us, you know, not having the patience at the end of it. So, I think it's just because I eat a lot of carbohydrates. That's yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's the sunnah. What kind of carbs do you have? Just potatoes, fries, and... and... I've literally spent the whole of Ramadan eating spaghetti until today where I just realized I had to eat something other than spaghetti. So I think that's why it's probably like I crashed then. I was even loving that. <laughs> I feel like I yeah, we were speaking so. about our love of like spaghetti and pasta. So she's kind of obsessed with uh, pasta and spaghetti and she wants to blame them. Was it the Italians? We're both blaming it on the Italians, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah, how is in here as well? Let's get, let's get, let's hear what she's saying. Yeah, how is in? How is your Ramadan going? Tell us about your reflections and what you found and what you've learned. So, uh, assalamu alaikum, everyone. Mm -hmm. Hope you all well, inshallah. Yes, so we, I think oh, we're sharing the same love for pasta. Yeah, <laughs> but today <laughs> it's rice. Sorry. <laughs> same. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I've decided to change it a little bit. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're following the same diet, I think. <laughs> um, so about what you were saying, like what are the lesson learned from this Ramadan until now? Because I think every day you're learning new things. Uh, is to start small and and stay consistent. Like for example, I decided inshallah this year. I mean to do more effort on the on the memorization side of the Quran because usually uh so I'm like okay I'm gonna read and meditate and this is what I'm doing during Ramadan this year I'll say okay let's let's go further now let's now try to memorize it oh you know what all over the year I'm like are you serious you, you really think you're gonna memorize it like shaitan is so strong like like it's not possible you know if you're going to do that you're forgetting so much you're not uh, able to do that this year i'm like you know what i'm gonna start to learn one verse or either either way one word or whatever small every day a little bit during fissure or uh like at night for example whatever but the rule is this is something that i said to myself the rule is like every day you need to do this small bits but every day and alhamdulillah i'm i'm, I'm now i'm like why did I not start this before, actually? Mm. And this is how you see, subhanAllah, the, the barakah of Ramadan. Really, you see how shaitan and like all your bad vibes, I would say in general, are down and like, oh my God, I can do it, alhamdulillah. It's not perfect. I'm going to forget. That's, that's okay. That's, we're not perfect, but we're starting and we carry on. And we're not like, you link yourself to the Quran more and more. And just one thing that I wanted to add is how I started to uh, learn more, uh, to read, sorry, more Quran before. Uh, so what what was the thing that let me like um, love reading Quran? Because it's like, now I'll get used to because I started. So before I was like, oh my God. And I've, I've realized I never read Quran from A to Z. And I was like, oh my God. If someone asked me, and I'm wearing hijab, did you ever read your book? I was I, I would say like no, I didn't read it. So from this conscious, I was like, okay, I need to fix this. How I'm gonna do? Like uh, when I was more younger, I was like reading Quran during Ramadan, but for hours. Da, 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 da. And I was like, no, it's not consistent. Consistent for uh, all the rest of the year. So what I've done is to start small, reading a little bit, like one verse, one word, every day, and then carry on after Ramadan. This is what I've done, alhamdulillah, and I was able to finish it. And uh, I think like, if you want to start something now for Ramadan, start it, don't, don't wait. So until the, uh, don't wait until the end, inshallah. And I'm gonna finish on this, I think it's uh, more of very soon. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna speak too much. I think that's really beautiful because there's this hadith that says that the best deeds are those done regularly, even if they're few. So I think that that's kind of what religion teaches us, that we should actually reflect on. We don't have to like make a big, well, we should strive to make those big changes in the long term. 
but like the most consistent changes that we can make are those small ones like same thing with Ramadan for me when I started off um, I wasn't reading as much Quran and now I read it more regularly I read it almost every other day if not every day and it, I get to reflect on the words and just kind of take the lessons I need to live, take from it um, and I definitely think that if I did decide that I was going to read like a huge amount in one day I probably would fail at it so I definitely think that it is just kind of consistent small actions over the month yeah exactly and this is how I actually I get used to read Quran it was not like me spending hours like a sheikha, you know, like, okay, I'm going to send hours and, and I'm going to read. Oh, wow, I'm so serious. I'm so, wow, I'm so spiritual. No, no, no. Let's start small. And the rule was for me, I call it the rule of one. Like, okay, you need to read one verse or uh, one surah or one page or one word, whatever. And it was like a contract between me and myself every day. And then Alhamdulillah, when I finish it, it's weird, but I was like sad. I was like, SubhanAllah, I finish it. What am I going to do now? Quran is finished. Alhamdulillah, I finished this. And then I start another challenge and I was like, now let's do another thing. Open Quran and then read and meditate. And then I was like, oh, every time I was like, I was like uh, meditating on a new thing, like learning new thing. Uh, for example, um, Surah Yusuf. But we were speaking about the, about the brother uh, Shabir, who was like explaining uh, Surah Yusuf beautifully, mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, and uh, like, like I was meditating it and I was like, subhanAllah, when he was explaining, there's things that I was meditating, like was, was in the same direction, I would say, that he was saying. And I was like, oh, that's so cool, alhamdulillah. Like you're learning so much from Quran and you're taking so much lessons that when you get used to, it's hard to stop. Seriously, like, <laughs> this is why, like, I think for me, it's like the best time ever. You're building this, this relationship with Quran, alhamdulillah, so good. I think that's funny that you say that. Uh, other than just eating rice, I was actually reading Yusuf, Yusuf today too. And I think I was also reflecting on, like, a few of the things. Like, for example, there's, like, a ayah that says that, um, like, Yusuf forgot, that, forgot his God and then God, like, kind of uh, kept him in prison for longer. And I think it's, like, there's a lot of these small stories and anecdotes over, the uh, like, the surah that you actually reflect on every day. And you're like, okay, I can actually apply this to my life every day. I definitely think there's a lot of value to that, like, reading Quran more mindfully and kind of just trying to take away what you need to take away from it. What are, what are your favorite stories from the Quran? Me or Huda? Uh, how go for it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's Surah Yusuf. The story of Yusuf. Like, there, there is so much to learn from it. Leadership, uh, relationship between uh, the son and the, the the father. How actually by love, and we are forgetting this. Like how the other uh, brothers were like so jealous of him. They wanted the love of their father at the beginning. They were like, we want to do this in order to have our father for us. So was the like it's good to know like to what is the relationship that we should we should have uh, with our children kind of things and not like to have to give love to everyone not like one and then the other one are like okay we're here uh what else uh, there is so much like how he i love how he the, the link that he has with the faith of course it's the prophet alhamdulillah and he has like a strong faith but like he was in the prison he didn't have quran and I was like, I was thinking about that. He didn't have any writing, but his face was there. And he was doing da'wah to the other people. Like, you know, you have many gods, but actually there is only one God, etc. And um, how as well he was like from the top, like he was protected in a family, uh, loving by his father. And he suddenly passed to a state of slave, like from the top to down to top again, after uh, like uh, uh, in another period of his life, uh, how he was like used like, or uh, represented as an object for, for women, which is like, it's horrible because you was before like someone evaluated by your parents, your family, and then suddenly, suddenly you are a slave and then you are uh, co uh, considered like as an object, etc. Until then, until at the end to be like a, having a high position. And I think one of the, the lessons that I learned from it is, subhanAllah, the, um, the elevation is coming from God. But this is the way I see it. Like, even though people don't see you as a leader or whatever, or they don't elevate you, Allah will elevate you, whatever the people think or whatever the situation is. Because if it's written for you to be, uh, to have access to uh, a certain risk, 
a certain uh, like level of life, you will have it, whatever. And the elevation really like is coming from God, from, from, from my eyes. It's the way I, I, I see things through the Surat Yusuf and the Surat Yusuf, which is super inspiring. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's really amazing. Um, I would say that my favorite um, story from the Quran is actually Moses' story. Um, I think it's there's various surahs that touch on it. But I think for me, I guess um, it goes back to a lot of discussions we've had at RTP about like social justice issues, the kind of maybe more so in this year where the COVID-19 pandemics actually highlighted inequalities in so many levels I think this sort of also highlights that where like there is a group of people the Israelites who are oppressed by the Egyptians and basically God shows them that like you know um that no matter what the oppressor will never win I think that's like my key reflection on that sort of deep yeah this uh, and the way he was treated the, this prophet is like so patient subhanallah how he has been treated by his people etc and i'm always sad when i read his 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 about his life and yeah it's kind of like there's so much lessons to learn from him right yeah it's i know i was gonna say mine mine's definitely um i think prophet yusuf as well because of i think the whole like, element of sort of being um on your journey to you know call people to the to the message being disheartened i guess losing losing that um the motivation to then having to I guess be swallowed by a whale and then have to go for that that whole internalization of your own thoughts and feelings and everything else that came along with it as well to then eventually you know like there is there is that, that final hope for everything as well like don't lose hope there's always um there's always hope at the end of the day um to come through I, it, it just resonates with everything right like if you try and do anything in life and you lose hope you just need to know that actually at the end of the day you can always put your prayers into practice you can always try and be optimistic at the end of the end, end of the day as well um mm. there will be a better finishing towards the end um but just keep that faith right whatever happens will happen for the best fine but keep that faith um and i, I think you can use that in a lot of different things in life just generally if you have if you've got exams and you're just not prepared you can, you can have that good faith say okay cool it'll be fine you know we'll get there if you've got uh, other things happening in life or whatever as well like it's it's a good story to remind yourself and remind kids as well. So that one's like a nice little one, personally. Yeah, no, I definitely think it is a, it's an interesting story. And I think that a lot of these stories that you could just reflect on every day and use it in your day-to-day -day life um, to better yourself. And I think that's maybe the point of reading the Quran during Ramadan. You get this one month where the Quran was like brought down to you. You actually get to reflect on its true meaning and meditate on it think about it and actually implement it into your day-to-day -day life there's yeah. a lot of other stories where for example Noah's story Noah, his whole story is about like how he told his people to you know follow Allah for years and years and years and it was all about patience because he showed like true patience and then also following what God told him in terms of building an ark randomly um so I think there's a lot of stories over the Quran that in the month I think you get to reflect on it mm. and get to do better in your day-to-day -day life using, using that wisdom I think in in Surat, uh, not Surat Yusuf, but in uh, sorry, in the story of Musa, one of the things that like moved me a lot was the story of the magician. I don't know if you remember. Mm. Oh my God! Like I do remember reading those quotes and then reading them, reading them, reading. Like it brings me tears because I, I'm like, oh my God, those people were like considered in our faith, like like they were not believer at all they were like kufar, um, like in the sense where they are not um the they, they reject the, the, the religion and they are like um doing magic which is very bad etc and then from this state they saw the miracles of musa and they decided to believe and then they decided to prostrate and they, they, they do istighfar like i was like oh my god they do so much so they have so much faith in their heart, but we cannot see it. But only when God decided, like, actually, I'm going to reveal what they have in their heart right now by, by, by showing those miracles. And you see, like, this, this teaching so much, subhanAllah, like, never judge someone on how they look like. Maybe they don't have hijab, or they don't have a, a, a beard or anything, anything like that seems to be religious. It doesn't mean they don't have faith. They're like, 
subhanallah this like it's teaching us so much never judge someone on on the look like never because uh the degree of faith is in the heart and only allah subhanahu knows how much heart how much how much heart heart yeah how much faith we have on on us like it's uh, and just like by those miracles it reveals the degree is like uh, and then they finish it they finish in a bad way but they, they they say subhanallah we hope to be forgiven for what we've done like two seconds before you're not the believer how how you can achieve this level like i was like it blew my mind like i was blocked on those verses like reading reading I can, I can understand it. It's too much for me. Like, oh, subhanAllah. Like, it's amazing. It's beautiful, actually. And really, it, like, it teaches me so much, like, never judge someone. Never, ever. See, see this example. And this is how we, um, yeah, this is how we, we, we learn a lot from, from Quran, alhamdulillah. I think it's Eden soon, so. <laughs> Jazakallah khair. Thank you, everybody. And thanks for your reflections. The azan is now. So I'd just like to thank our speaker, Mustafa Brig, and I'd love to thank like Hawaz and Adnan for joining in and discussing their reflection on Ramadan. I also want to thank Islam Channel, our media partner this year, and also Arts Council UK for making this event possible. You can read more about how we fight world hunger with Islamic relief at iruk.co slash rdp. Ramadan is the month of charity and giving, so we wanted to encourage you to support Ramadan Tent Project and help us continue our work. Your support is vital to keeping us going as the world transitions back to normality. By helping us continue events like this one, bringing people from all around the world together, also our Open Iftars, our Sunnah Fast and other projects, please check out the link in the chat box for information. Any amount of money is appreciated and very beneficial, inshallah. You can donate at www.launchgood.com slash RTP2021. Um, Jazakallah, I really appreciate your time and your energy. Assalamu alaikum.